Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Somebody say, honestly, are you lonely? That's a question I'm going to ask a couple of times because um, I want you to think about that. I'm going to be sharing on loneliness for the next couple of weeks. Today is just a, a beginning just to whet your appetite. Um, the reason why I like the word honestly is because I think a lot of times we are lonely, but we're not honest to admit it. And one of the things you'll see as we go along throughout the series is that in dealing with loneliness, you need to be honest with yourself. and You need to be willing to confront yourself. And you need to be willing to be vulnerable and to open yourself up to things that might be uncomfortable in order to break out of loneliness. I'm not going to share that tonight or today, uh, but I just want to let you know where we're going with this. This is why we're really titling this honestly, Are You Lonely? Because in order to break free from loneliness, it will require a sense of honesty from you. You know, um, and there's a lot of people who are lonely today. I remember a time when I was very lonely. I remember when it was, uh, I would say the year 2000, 2001, I was newly ordained as a minister. I was ordained in 1999. I was a very young person. I was 21 years old when I was ordained as a minister. And this was different because I knew no one, not that there was no one, I knew no one at that age that was ordained. And um, it was a very lonely time because I felt, I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand what that would be, what would be required for me. It kind of shake, shook my, my social life a bit, you know. Um, friends that I related to as friends, uh, weirdly, for some reason, it just it felt like I couldn't relate to them as friends anymore. Not that that was true, but that's what it felt like. Um, I didn't really have a blueprint. And I remember just at one point feeling lonely. I felt lonely because I didn't have anyone in my life that I felt like I could truly let my hair down in front of, you know? Um, my pastor was my pastor. Uh, my friends, many of them were part of my church, but now I'm their minister. So it's like, well, how do you, how do you relate to them the same way? How do they relate to you the same? Um, and it was a very strange and weird transitional period in my life. And I remember um, that, was the, that was the time I began to exercise. You know, I remember that was, well, that was one of the first things I did. I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to join a gym. You know, and I went to Bally's. I remember, Bally's is no longer, but, this, <laughs> but Bally's was the gym at the time. And I remember I just said, you know what, I'm going to engross myself into something. And um, that was one thing. I know, I know it doesn't show, but trust me, you know, I, I engrossed myself, you know, in exercising back then. But it wasn't really the thing that made the difference, you know. And I think back to that point because I realized that when you're lonely, you instinctively will try to fill the gaps. You will try to fill the holes. You will begin to do things, some healthy, some unhealthy. You'll begin to do things to deal with the sense of loneliness. And many people are doing that. Many people are doing that through different relationships, through different activities. But I feel like the Lord wants really to bring a fresh 
that the foundational piece to being lonely or, to, or to, to being free from loneliness is really your relationship with Jesus. And I struggle with this, to be honest with you, because I wanted to say something deeper than that, to be honest with you. I wanted to say something that you've never heard before. And the Lord just kept bringing me back to this foundational truth that the, 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 the aspect of loneliness is dealt with at its fundamental level through uh, intimate relationship with Jesus. So if you feel lonely, this is not an indictment, but I just want to let you know, if you feel lonely, it could be the case that there's a place in your relationship with the Lord that is lacking. And so I'm going to really challenge you in this area because I want you to know that if you feel lonely, you don't have to feel lonely. God doesn't want you to feel lonely. You know, um, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is just a period of time and space that you have distance between you and someone else. But loneliness is when you're disconnected from people. It's when you feel vulnerable, you feel uncared for, you feel unattended to, you feel insignificant. You feel like if, if I'm not around, who would care? Who would, what, what, does my life even matter? Those are the feelings of loneliness. To be alone is just simply, I'm alone. That means there is a, a set amount of time and space between me and another, another individual or a community, but I don't feel disconnected. You could be by yourself and still feel connected to people, and yet you could be around people and feel disconnected. You see, so loneliness is a state of mind. It's not the proximity by which you relate to people. It's the feeling of being disconnected not having meaning, not having significance in people's lives, not having meaning and significance even in the eyes of God. And the truth is this, God doesn't want you to live lonely. And so I know that there's a lot of people suffering with loneliness, and loneliness is tied to depression, it's tied to suicide, it's tied to a lot of different things, but we're going to cut it at its root in the name of the Lord. You will not live a life of loneliness. I want you to begin to imagine this. Imagine what it would feel like to truly be free from those feelings of being lonely. Imagine if it didn't matter if you were in a relationship or not. You didn't feel lonely. Imagine if you didn't, it, would, it didn't matter whether you were married or not. You didn't feel lonely. Imagine it didn't matter where you worked, what you were doing in life, what was going on in your life. Imagine a life that no matter what is going on, you have a sense of purpose and you're filled knowing that you're connected connected not only to purpose but to your heavenly father and to those he's placed in your life that is your portion that's what i'm speaking over to you and especially if you're single that's the best place to be so that when you enter into a relationship you don't have an unreasonable expectation for the person that you are with that they have to fill every gap every hole and then when they can't you are sorely disappointed and it brings issues in your life what if you came into a relationship whole i want you to imagine that what if you came, I'm whole, you're whole, let's, let's come together as whole people. Rather than I'm broken, you're broken, and I need you to solve my brokenness, but I can't solve your brokenness because I'm broken, so I need you to solve my brokenness, and we're both broken, we're both looking at each other as a source of our healing, and we both are frustrated because we both can't do that. Imagine you stepped away from that paradigm and came to a place where I'm whole, you're whole. And we come together and we produce something beautiful. 
That's the will of God for your life. Even if you're married, there are people who are married and they feel disconnected from their spouse. They feel lonely. That's why I said marriage doesn't, that's not when life begins. That's not when life begins. I know, I know you may think that way. If, you, if you're not married, you think, oh, once I get married, oh, it's on and popping. My life can go on. No, no. Now, I hope that it happens, but that's not the source of not being lonely. The source of not being lonely or not feeling lonely is truly the foundational relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And I'm just being honest with you. Like I said, I'm, not, I'm very excited to share this with you, but I, I wanted something deeper. I wanted something like, whoa, you never heard this before, but the Lord just kept putting this in my spirit. They have to know, before we talk about the social aspects, before we talk about this and all that, they have to know that the foundational piece to living a lonely, free life is your relationship with me. That's where you're going to feel freedom from loneliness. And if it doesn't start there, if it doesn't start at that point, you're going to end up serving someone or something for the source of your fullness. And that's what God is against. So I want you to really lock in with me because I have some great things to share with you. I'm going to start with Psalms 25, verse 16. This is a beautiful scripture. This is David. David speaking to the Lord. And he says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. David, I love his story. I love David's story. One of the reasons why people love to read the book of Psalms is because the book of Psalms is so rich with so much experiences. You see the highs and lows of life. You see David on top of the mountain. And there were other psalmists, but David was the primary psalmist in the book of Psalms. But there were other people who wrote Psalms. You see David share his triumphs. You, sh you, 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 you see him share his failures. You, sh you see him share in moments of confidence and moments of, of, of vulnerability. This is why people love the book of Psalms, because it just takes you up and down. It's really, you know, a true reflection of what we go through in life. And so he says, turn to me. And be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. I want to jump over to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And this is what the Lord put in my spirit to really share to you. This is the beauty of the covenant that we live in. We live in the New Covenant, New Testament. In the Old Testament, man cried out, Lord, turn to me. But in the New Testament, Jesus cries out, open for me. I want you to understand that. You don't ever have to cry what David cried out before. You don't have to say, Lord, turn to me. Lord, hear me. That was the cry of the Old Testament. No longer are we crying that out. But in the New Testament, Jesus is crying out something. And he's saying, open for me. Because I'm at the door of your heart. You don't have to ask me to turn to you. I'm there. I'm present. I'm a very real force, a real, very present help in the time of need. I'm knocking. My cry to you is open and here's my promise to you, that if you would open your heart, I will come in and dine with you. Now, the dinner table is a very intimate place. It's a very interesting place because a lot of things take place over the, over the dinner table. 
right, over a dining experience. Think about when you, um, you know, want to have a, a great time, right? There's no date. There's no fun date if it doesn't involve food, right? I, I, can't, ima I can't imagine going on a date and I didn't eat something, right? There's something about going on a date and food. It just, it just has to go together. Like, okay, before we do anything, we got to eat, right? Or we did something, now we got to eat. We saw a show, we got to eat. Like, food brings it together. It just makes it the experience that it, that, that, that it should be, right? Well, Jesus is painting this picture. And he says, listen, I want to dine with you. So I want to be very clear. Jesus is talking to people who are already saved. He's talking to people who already said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. So he's not saying, hey, come to me and I'll save you from your sin. No, these are saved people he's talking to. These are people, he's talking to the Laodicean church. These are church people. These are people who have the spirit of God, but he's still knocking. So I want you to be very clear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Jesus is knocking so that you can open your heart and be saved and welcome him in. No, he's saying, I want a different experience. I saved you. That's what, that, that was my doing. Now you have a doing, and your doing is opening up the door so that we can have greater levels of intimacy because it's in that place that I want to fill every void. It's in that place loneliness goes. And this is the phenomenal thing I want you to really be clear about. You can be saved, go to church, read the Bible, sing, do all of those things, and not have intimacy with the Lord. Why? Intimacy is not an act that you do to have intimacy. Intimacy is a posture of the heart. So it's when you come to the place where you say, Lord, Every chamber of my heart is completely wide open to you, and I'm available, and I am going to invest time in our relationship. That's what Jesus is saying. This is when I will come in and dine with you. This is where loneliness begins to be driven out of your life, because it's that place, it's that posture, it's there that now you begin to see where things belong in your life. Is this good so far? Let me go a little deeper with you. The foundation for a lonely life, for, for, for a lonely free life, is dining with Jesus. Let's go to Revelation 3, 18 to 19. This is what he said before he said, behold, I knock. This is what he's saying to the late Laodicean church. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. I counsel you. So this is amazing. This is not even a command. Intimacy is not a command of the Lord. Intimacy is an invitation. You'll never see even fasting as a command of the Lord in the New Testament. Fasting is an invitation. There's some things that Jesus commands you to do. He doesn't command you to be intimate with him. He wants you to be, and he gives you an invitation. So what does he say? I counsel you. I'm giving you counsel here. And the reason why he's giving them counsel is because if, we, if you read prior to these verses, he's talking to a church that is rich, that has money, that has possessions, that's doing pretty well externally. They're doing pretty well. But he says, you don't realize that you're actually poor. You're actually miserable. You think you have it together, but you've filled your life up with empty things. So I want to give you something. I want to counsel you. I want to give you some advice here. And he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. 
and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. You ever, been, ever felt rebuked by the Lord? Ever felt that God corrected you and it's like, man, the Lord is dealing with me. I want you to understand that when that happens, you know when, <laughs> you know when your parents, I don't know if your parents ever said this is going to hurt you or me more than it hurts you when I do this to you, right? My parents never said that. I, I used to hear that joke all the time. I, didn't never, I never understood that. I, we understood it's going to hurt me more. Like, that was clear. But Jesus is really saying this. He's saying, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm correcting you out of love for you. I'm giving you this counsel because I actually love you. One of the things I thank God for his grace, and this, I, there's some things I just thank God that, I, that he's put in me. One thing he's put in me that I'm so clear about is that I'm so confident in God's intentions for my life. So that if ever he tells me something, I never question that it's going to hurt me. I always believe, even if it hurts my flesh, it's for my betterment. Now, I realized that didn't have to be. Some people question God. Like, God, are you sure? I tried this before. I'm not sure about this. I don't want this. I don't like this. Why are you doing this to me? Some people really feel that God wants to hurt them. I don't understand how you think that, but I do respect the fact that some people actually feel that way. They feel like God doesn't have good intentions towards them. But if that's you today, I want to let you know God's intentions towards you is only good. So even when he's correcting you, even when he was saying, no, not her, no, not him. But why, God? Why? Because I love you. And I know that the person that you think you're in love with, he's a wife beater. I know the person you think that you can't live without, she's a cheater. I know that this path that you want to go in, this career path, is going to bring you into a place of darkness. I know it looks good. So trust the counsel of the Lord. It's always given to you out of God's love for you. So he says, I counsel you. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. Why gold? You, we know we're not talking about 14 carat, you know, 22 carat, carrot gold. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something that endures, has enduring value. When I come and I dine with you, when you open your heart to me at this place, guess what happens? The reason why loneliness goes is because you're going to be buying something that has enduring value. In other words, I want you to get rid of cheap substitutes and fillers, things that don't have enduring value. Some of you ladies can relate to this. Some of you are not sensitive to this, but some of you are. You can't wear fake earrings, right? Some, I know, first lady, she can't, she can't put fake earrings on too long. It starts to itch, right? It doesn't have enduring value. You may look fly with that costume jewelry, but eventually it becomes a problem. Are you hear what I'm saying, right? If you, have ir if, if you get irritated with fake jewelry, well, this is, what, this is what life looks like. Sometimes people have fake jewelry, and they place it all in their lives, and it's a cheap substitute, and it becomes an irritant in your life that leaves you lonely, leaves you feeling void of fulfillment. Jesus is saying something very powerful. He says, listen, let me come in. Let me dine. 
Let's have real conversation, real honesty, buy from me gold, enduring value that will last, that will not be a cheap substitute. And so if there's cheap fillers in your life, cheap substitutes in your life, this is a paradox. In order to be free from loneliness, you have to go through withdrawals. I want you to think about that. It's sort of an oxymoron, but to be free from loneliness, you have to be willing to go through withdrawals. Sometimes withdrawing is the cure for loneliness. Sometimes withdrawing is the key to being free from loneliness. Because when you withdraw from cheap substitutes, when you withdraw from things that are not adding enduring value, you give room and place for Jesus to fill your life up with enduring value. The reason why people are lonely is because they constantly cannot be alone. They cannot feel the space of being alone in their thoughts. They have to busy their lives with different things, activities. And it's fun for the moment. It's a distraction for the moment. But what ends up happening? Once that moment goes, you're left with the empty void, a sense of loneliness. Jesus is saying, Give, I'm giving you counsel today. Buy from me gold refined in fire, things that will last, things that will have a lasting impact. That's what's going to cause you to be free from loneliness. Anybody listening to me today? So what are the cheap substitutes in your life? We have children here. I'll be sensitive. But many Cheap substitutes are found on the internet, and you know what I'm talking about. Think about that. How many times you've delved into that, and it was a moment in time that felt exciting. After it was over, you were left with a sense of emptiness. Why? It wasn't gold refined in fire. It's a cheap irritant that just excited you for the moment, but then left you empty. Jesus is saying, let me dine with you. Let me come in. Let me sit with you. Let's have intimacy. Let me, let me present something to you that you have to buy. And notice, he says, I want you to buy this. This is not something I'm giving for free. I said this years ago, but it bears repeating. Intimacy doesn't come prepackaged. It doesn't come assembled. You know, when you bought like your bike, the first bike you bought or a piece of furniture and then, you know, some pieces of furniture, you, they just come assembled. You just move it in. And then some of them you actually have to build. That's what intimacy is like. All the parts are there. All the screws are there. Everything you need is there. Jesus is saying everything you need is there, but you have to build it. Ever built something and once you finish building it, there's a sense of pride. There's a sense like, Wow. I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to put this together. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm offering you intimacy, but you got to buy it. You got to spend something. It's going to require something from you. It's going to require you putting away things that you have used as cheap fillers and substitutes. That's the cost. That's what you use to buy the gold that's refined in the fire. That's how you build enduring value in your life. 
Not only did he say, I want you to buy gold refiner fire, but he says, I want you to also buy garments that are white or white garments. If you look throughout scripture, it's very interesting how you'll see there's constantly a reference to garments being changed, clothes. Anybody love clothes? You love fashion? You know if you love fashion, you know, I'm not such a big, I, I got to probably, sometimes I feel stirred. I got to, you know, just up my game with the fashion, you know what I mean? Because, you know, what did, this, what did this to me? You guys, Brooklyn, my goodness. You guys love clothes. You guys love fashion. I'm from Queens. I mean, we, we could dress a little bit, but you guys are really into it. And so I was like, all right, you know, I got to do a little something, you know. But I realized that fashion is so important to people. It's a statement that you send out. I also noticed something that if you go to prison, if you've seen shows about prison, I'm sure you can understand this. The very first thing they do when you go to prison is that they change your clothes. They give you prison garb. Why? Because it's supposed to indicate your state. You're a prisoner of the states. So you need to wear this. Garments represent the state that you're in. It represents who you belong to. It represents what's true of your life. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you allow me to dine with you, what's going to end up happening? You're going to be able to purchase not only gold refined in fire, but white garments to clothe the shame of your nakedness. So if you look at it, even in the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They tried to clothe themselves. They try to hide behind the trees, the leaves, the bushes. They try to put, you know, put a covering over their shame. Can't do it that way. And that's the cheap fillers. Jesus, listen, it's not only the blood of Christ, but even in your daily life, you may be ashamed of certain things. You, you, you may feel like, you know, I'm missing the mark with certain things. I feel, I feel like God is not proud about certain things in my life. Guess what happens? When I dine with you, all that shame gets covered. It gets washed away. It gets removed from your life. Your garments change. You look different. You're walking in purity. I'm going to say that one more time. You can walk in purity. You can walk in purity. You don't have to live a life of impurity. But it requires simply dining with the Lord. Opening up your heart. Allowing him to come in and be intimate with you. That's what he's offering today. That's what drives out the spirit of loneliness. And it is a spirit as well. We'll talk about that. There are times where you could be fine, then all of a sudden you'll just get a sense that, oh my God, where am I going in life? Who, who, who loves me? Who cares about me? And you just feel like you're just sort of like, like just floating in a vacuum. And then a, a sense of fear creeps up on you. You're just like, I don't know where I'm going in life. What's going on? And then you feel detached. Sometimes it's a spirit trying to make you feel like you are lonely and you're alone and no one, is, no one cares about you. I want you to identify that as the spirit of the enemy. Even when Jesus, I love that, when all the disciples forsook him, they, they came to arrest Jesus and the disciples left. He said, I am not alone. The Father is with me. The only time Jesus was alone was on the cross. And he cried out and said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? You may not understand what that means, but on the cross, Jesus was a sin offering. 
He was a sin offering. What that means is that your sin, my sin, was on him, on the cross. And in a sin offering, a sin offering is rejected. That's what Jesus was experiencing, the rejection. Because I have become sin. I have become everything the Father is not. So he cried out in agony, why have you forsaken me? That's a deep, deep theological picture to understand. But here's the beauty in that. He took your place and mine. Now the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what it means to leave? It means I will not loosen my hold on you. If you look up the word in the Hebrew, it simply means I won't loosen my hold on you. My grip is firm. My grip is firm. I won't loosen it. That's what it means that I won't leave you or forsake you. So you are not alone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn to someone near you say, you are not alone. You are not alone. And you need to tell yourself that I'm not alone. In the name of the Lord, I'm not alone. Let's read on. I have a lot more to go. As I salve, I salve is ointment, healing ointment that brings vision. Let me talk to you about vision in a little bit. Luke 24. 28 to 43. Is this good? Is this blessing you? Then they drew near to the village where they were, where they were going. This is when Jesus already died and he resurrected, but no one really knew. No one understood what was going on. This is like the third day, but no one knows that Jesus... So there are people that are talking about the fact that Jesus was once alive and now he's dead. But they don't know. Surprise, I'm really not dead. So verse 20, 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him. They're talking to him, but they don't know it's him. They, don't, they think it's a regular guy. They constrained him. They said, don't, don't, don't. There's something about you. We don't know what. But can you stay a little longer? They constrained them. They didn't let him go, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, then he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. What does it say next? Then their eyes were open. It's in dining that their eyes were open. And they knew him. Jesus was talking all this time, expounding on scriptures. They didn't know who he was. It's when they broke bread. It's when there was a place of intimacy. That's when their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight, just like Jesus would do in dramatic fashion. (laughs) I think Jesus likes to do that sometimes, you know. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 
He was known to them in the breaking of bread. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What happens when you have intimacy with the Lord? You walk with vision. You see. You see him as he sees you. There is no obscurity. There's no veil. Even though the veil has been torn, sometimes we live like it hasn't been torn because there's no intimacy. The veil being torn was a symbol to say there's now intimacy. It's available. You can come in. I'm not rejecting you anymore. But when we live like that's not true, we still don't have intimacy. We still don't have vision. That ends for you today in the name of Jesus. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. So just to be clear, these two guys, they came to the 11, said, hey, he's alive. But they still are not convinced. They, they think it's a spirit that just appeared. They don't know this is Jesus. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still, not, while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you, have, have you any food here? Did you catch what I'm, did, did you see what I'm seeing here? He's showing all of this. They still don't know. They still don't believe. They still, could this be? It's okay. I know what we got to do here. Let's have some food. Let's dine. It worked for these other two guys. They came, told you all about what I said to them. You're excited. Okay, now I come. You still don't think it's me. You think it's a spirit. I'm trying to convince you. I'm showing you my hands, my body. You still don't believe me? Okay, let's have some food. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Dining, I wrote this down, dining leads to your faith being developed. They had a problem. They couldn't, they couldn't fathom that this is, so you may feel, I feel weak in faith. I feel like this is great, but how do I believe? This, here's the remedy. Dine with the Lord. It builds up your faith to receive what he is presenting to you. They couldn't believe it until they broke bread. It was the breaking of bread that broke their unbelief. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The last thing I'm going to say about this, dining not only causes you to see, it causes your faith to be developed, it also leads to worship. Because if you continue on, verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him. What did they do? And returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. 
You see, there is a progression here. Sometimes it requires dining. Even in relationships, whether it's romantic or friendship, co-worker relationship, sometimes the problem is the reason why you keep running into a wall with this individual is that there is no dining. There is no intimacy. So you're trying to go for this, and this cannot happen until you break bread. I'm speaking metaphorically, but what I'm trying to say is intimacy is the thing that brings you into the virtues of glorious relationships and drives out loneliness from your life. But too often we skip the intimacy part and we just want the flash in the pan, the thing that's just the, 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 the stage, the bright lights, the thing that you can easily see. That's what I want. But have you paid the price for it? Intimacy is what brings you to that place. And here's a good thing about it. When I say pay the price, it's an easy price to pay to some degree because you can have it. This is not something that you have to work for in terms of you have to be something different than what you are. No, you are already everything you need to be. You just need to receive or open the door to what's available to you. So how many feel the knock of Jesus? Oftentimes he's knocking and you can, you can feel him pulling at you. I want you. I want your voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. I want, to, I, want, I want your worship. I want your time. The Bible calls God a jealous God. You see the way you're so excited about when this individual comes around? I want that. You see how you get so pumped up about this? I want that same enthusiasm. I did more for you than they could ever do for you. I want that. You see how you just easily trust when your boss says this or the economist says this or the politician says that? You see how you easily just believe this because you heard it? I want, I want that. I want when I say something to you, you easily believe it too. I want that. I don't want to have to fight and resist and, 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 and deal with the resisting. I want an easy flowing relationship where you just easily receive me. I don't want to have to ask you two, three times, four, five times, six, seven times. I want your heart to be just as open as, as, as it can possibly be. That as soon as I say it, you're like, yes, Lord. That's what I want. That's the intimacy I'm looking for. That's the place that if you will give me. I will begin to work and push out the things that are driving loneliness into your life. Because all of those things are a facade. They're cheap. They're cheap fillers. They're cheap substitutes. They will never do what I can do for you. Let me in. Let's dine. Let me give you real gold. Not Jamaica Avenue gold. <laughs> Let me give you real gold. Let me give you real clothes, pure clothes, that kind of covering that you don't have to make up yourself, that you can walk confidently knowing you look good. I want to do that for you. Where you can walk in a room and you don't feel like you have to work to impress people anymore. Why? I'm giving you the change of clothes that only comes from heaven. You know who you are and you're confident in that. That comes through intimacy. How many want to be intimate with the Lord Jesus? 
That's the cure for loneliness. I'm telling you, I said it early in the beginning. I know it's not a fancy thing. It may seem like it's a cliche, but sometimes cliches are, are, are cliches for a reason because they are truths that are timeless. And I feel the Lord is saying this to you. I want you. I want you. I want your time. I want your attention. I want your affection. I want your worship. And I'm not too proud to ask for it. I want it. I want your praise. I want your resource. I want you. While you're chasing for everything else and you want others that don't want you to want you, I'm the real deal. And I'm telling you loud and proud, I want you. Accept who is accepting you. And be filled with a sense of fulfillment rather than chasing that which is rejecting you. Too many times where we're running after things that don't want us. And the reason why we're running after it is because we think that if you don't want me, you must be higher than me. There must be something about you that I haven't yet attained to. So it does my soul good to know that I can get that. Because once I get that, I know that I've leveled up. But God is saying, listen, there's no one higher than me. There's nothing higher than me. And yet I want you more than anyone could ever want you. That's what you call grace. To want what wants you. That's, that's beautiful. Don't reject what seems easy. God is like, listen, I'm not too hard. I'm not playing hard to get. I know it's, it's, it's like, a, you know, you, you can't believe it because, no, you can hear my voice. You can feel my presence. I'm here for you. It's easy. What I want you to do, wake up in the morning, acknowledge me. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up. I bless you. I want to worship you for a couple of minutes. Oh, man, I'm a little late. I got to jump out the bed. But before I jump out the bed, oh, Jesus, thank you for your grace. I bless you. Amen. You're on the train. You're rushing, right? And it's, you're a little annoyed because it's, 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 it's tight. It's cramped. Listen, release worship. Let your heart constantly be open to the Lord. Now, I believe in this. I remember Smith, Smith Wigglesworth said this. He says, listen, after being asked, how often do you pray? How long do you pray? He says, I don't pray for more than 15 minutes, but 15 minutes doesn't go by without me praying. Think about that. He says, I don't pray more than 15 minutes, but 15 minutes doesn't go by without me praying. In other words, I'm constantly praying. My prayers aren't short, but they're constant. In other words, my heart is constantly open. It's like text messaging. You know how you constantly get, maybe every 15 minutes you get a text, right? Maybe every hour you get something, right? It may not be a large essay, but you get something. You get a notification. That's what heaven is saying. I want you to be like that with me, constantly speaking to me, constantly open to me, constantly checking for my voice. Just like you check your phone for who's, who's emailing you, who's texting you, who, what, what notifications are happening on your social media. God is like, I want you to check for me that way. That's intimacy. That drives loneliness out. That puts things in its place. That gives you a sense of confidence that I'm loved by God. And everything has its rightful place, but they don't have the place of God in my life. I'm speaking out over you, Life Church, in the name of Jesus. The spirit of loneliness is being driven from you. You're going to hunger and thirst after the Lord. You're going to dine with him. His heart is, your heart is opening to him. His heart is wide open to you. He's knocking. You're answering that door in Jesus' name. Now, you're going to you're gonna have to endeavor for this. I'm done. But I want to just leave on this. 
There will be things that try to come in the way of intimacy with the Lord. It's not just natural. Some of it is spiritual. Look out for it. There will be distractions that will come to you. There will be thoughts that will try to frustrate you. There will be relationships that will try to pull you away. There will be people that will want that space in your life because they know if you give God that kind of space in your life, that that means they're on the outs. And they don't want to deal with that. You got to be willing to transition because sometimes in transition, you will feel lonely. Sometimes when you're on a different path, you might feel it, but it's a temporary feeling. And you got to be willing to go through that. You got to be willing to say, you know what? None of my friends are in church. That's all good. I'm going to be there. None of my friends are in the things of the, of the spirit. That's okay. I, let me tell you something. That's exactly what I did. When I first gave my life to the Lord, it was a struggle for me because none of my friends did. What did I do? I began to say, I'm going after the Lord anyway. And as I did, I began to pray for them. Some of them got saved. Some of them didn't. But I made a decision. I'm going forward. You hear what I'm saying? So sometimes in transition, you might feel a sense of loneliness, but you are not alone. You are not alone in the name of Jesus. So this is a great time for you. You're going to go up in not only relationship with the Lord. That's the foundational piece. We'll speak about relations with other people soon. But I just want to lay this foundation for you. Loneliness is driven away at the place where you have intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your portion. That's your rightful inheritance. And no one will take it from you. People, look out for distractions. They're coming. Trust me, they're coming. They're, they will always come until Jesus comes. They will all, you'll always have a substitute. You'll always have something that you can do instead of. There'll always be an emergency. There'll always be something that wants to pull you away. Fight for intimacy with the Lord. It's a fight worth fighting. It is. Fight for it. Trust me, fight for it. Don't give in to anything that is trying to pull you away from intimacy with the Lord. Fight for it. No matter what you got to do, fight for it. It's worth it in the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.